0: I got this text. I'm taking my 10-year-old to school, and he said, Dad, do you like conscience of the nation or conscience of a nation? (laughs) That's a good boy. (laughs) That child has a future. And I got to hit you with these two texts, too. Uh, A lot of people going with J.J. Kale for their favorite kale. They call him the breeze, don't you know? Oh, you know what? Yeah, that's an excellent kale. Um, And uh, one other from a doctor that I thought I would pass along. Uh, Lost it, but summarized. Oh from an md what you were saying right now could not be more untrue so Excellent. there you go there's one doctor weighing in on what i was reading in the new york times from other doctors so yeah. th- that such is the science of following that sort of stuff
1: i had a feeling as you were reading
0: that 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 sort of message was coming huh? just do the best you can people i'm yeah i know i'm <laughs> used to it hey trust me i read these articles it's like marshall's coffee studies mm. you could there'll be a different article in the new york times next week talking about how important it is
1: well, Jens Eric Gold of The Knife Media, he is the editor-in-chief and co-developer of that fine website, has finally complied with our request to be on the show. How is that for unnecessary spin and bias, Jens? Excellent. You're getting good at this. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, the Knife Media is a website dedicated to... Well, why don't you, you co-founded it? Why don't you
2: explain it? Sure. Well, we, we, uh, we rate news outlets for their level of objectivity or their level of bias and so we analyze them and then show people a rating that can help them understand the quality of the information they're consuming
1: and you go after left right and center in a very balanced and uh, adult way which I appreciate and uh, well done that's why we have wanted you to come on the show we hope it to do a regular thing now I usually inspire people to leave the room or to quit (laughs) drinking and find God uh, but uh, I understand our conversation last week actually inspired uh, you to write a piece about uh, subtle spin words. Can you talk about that a little bit?
2: It did. Yeah, you asked about the word admi- uh, admitted, and uh, we, we talked about that. And then we thought, well, you know, there are spin words that are dramatic and sensational, and we like to point those out. But there are also words that are more subtle and but have a, have a big effect on how you understand a news story. So we took a look at those and did a piece on them. Great. And yes, you, you inspired that.
1: And we will have a link at uh so you can, uh, you know, read about words like but, just, refuse, admit, et cetera, yeah, I and was, how they're used.
0: I was watching the coverage yesterday of Corey Lewandowski, the campaign manager for Trump. He uh, he yelled at some of the Democrats in a, in a hearing, and he said, I'm not answering your Effing irrelevant questions, which is a hell of a thing to say. <laughs> but I saw an article, I think, in the that New would York not be subtle
2: spin. Yeah, but I saw a
0: New York Post article where they uh, they said uh, I think their phrasing was Lewandowski opposed their view as opposed to like the New York Times view of it was he refused to answer. You know, and right. refuse and oppose opposes you know often a positive thing. Sure. Refuse you know refusing to do something is bad.
2: So. Well, the example we had was Trump has yet to be charged and refuses to resign as president. So refuses suggests that there's an expectation that they should do. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's different than just saying he didn't do it.
1: Right. And it implies that not only does somebody have an expectation of that, but that most people do or should. I mean, why would the president refuse to do anything? Well, because it's been asked of him.
0: Is it fair that, that practically every time I come across the word refuse in the media that it's being u- used unfairly?
2: Well, the problem is the subjective nature of it. I mean, it may be true in some cases that a lot of people have an expectation, but if that's true, then you got to state that in factual terms, say, well, X percent of the people think this, rather than this subtle implication that doesn't really tell you with facts.
1: Okay, okay. let's dive into some specific stories here. I know you guys talked about both the Sinclair TV scripted message that all those talking heads read and the media's coverage of it. What did you think of it? What would you make of it?
2: Well, what was interesting about it is both the message and the media's coverage, they both were concerned with, with media bias, right? Like the, the message itself was talking about we have to be aware of bias in the media. And then the coverage was saying, well, we have to be aware of Sinclair's message because it was biased. The ironic thing is that both of them were biased in themselves. So there was distortion. The message itself from Sinclair wasn't objective, and we we break that down in our analysis. And then the way the media covered it, they assumed that it was pro-Trump, that there were certain assumptions that weren't backed up with with facts. So that was biased, too. So you've got this irony where they're talking about we have to be aware of media bias, but they're being biased themselves, so it's kind of productive.
1: Yeah, indeed. You know, the, the Sinclair thing, to me, was clearly meant to be persuasive. It was an editorial mm-hmm. um and I think it wouldn't you say it was it was uh framed as such so it it didn't bother me that it was opinionated as much
2: yeah i mean there were certain things it it wasn't overtly biased, but there was spin i mean there was there was you know some some fear inspiring language in it, and then there was some missing information i mean they they said things like you know, there are fake stories, there's members of the media using their own bias, but who are they? What are the fake stories? And so I think that led to some implications that, oh, they must be talking about the news outlets that Trump is talking about because the language is similar. Of course, that's not stated, but I think that was the criticism, which you can make that criticism, and that's fair, but the way the media did it was not well-reasoned. It was biased in itself.
1: Yeah, I'm going to read NBC News wrote, this is from your... uh yearpiece the segments drew the ire of media journalists and watchdogs many of whom were already closely watching sinclair for its ties to president donald trump and its ambitions to expand its already sizable u.s audience
2: yeah so what's the implication well this the message was was pro-trump it was trying to and and they're trying to expand their market so they can uh... push a pro-trump message that's the implication but they don't say it directly and they
1: don't provide
0: any
2: evidence,
1: right?
0: I wasn't on last week when uh, when you were here, but I, I heard the interview that you, you and Joe did, and I thought it was really interesting. I'm I'm glad there are people like you doing this sort of thing, and I've always been fascinated by word choice and how the average person doesn't get the way they're being manipulated by the word choice. Who do you th- who's out there that you hold up as a, like a, a gold standard or the gold standard for trying really hard not to influence you one way or another? Is there anybody?
2: There are few, unfortunately. Um, I mean, if you look at our cumulative ratings, there are some outlets that do better. Um, BBC d- tends to do better. Uh, the Wall Street Journal at times tends to do better. Um, but overall, a lot of the outlets that we are used to in this country don't do well. And I mean, we have high standards. We, we're basically uh, holding uh, these news outlets up to the standard of like a scientific paper. You know, mm. be objective, be well reasoned, state your facts, source everything. And very few news outlets do that. We don't have those kinds of standards. So that's what we're trying to build. We're trying to bring that to the industry. And, and so, you know, we do our best to uphold those standards in our own writing. You know what
0: my favorite one is, always has been, since it was first pointed out to me, and you can't do this on the radio, is the photos they choose for people. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> Where they,
0: you know, yeah. look angry and fat, or they look fit and like leaders or whatever. Right. I mean, it's just hilarious.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jen's Eric Gold of the Knife Media is on the line and uh, let's talk just a little bit about the Trump and migrant caravan coverage. Um, what would you make of that? What would you observe?
2: Well, the way the media reports on immigration a lot of times contributes to polarization. I mean it's a it's a polarizing issue, right? But the media contributes to that. So a lot of times you have one set of news outlets that you know pulls at our heartstrings to side with immigrants and then you have another set that can distort the coverage to depict them as a threat and you know you know we need to uh we need to uh, strengthen the border but a lot of times both perspectives miss the point and the point is immigration issues are, aren't simple they're not black and white we need to sit down and talk about it's, it, these nuances and so in this case you, know, you had buzzfeed and mother jones buzzfeed broke the story and uh you know they used language that was very favorable towards towards the the migrants right um, and then you had Fox write, or, and Breitbart write the story and heavily emphasize Trump's point of view. And so that, but, that, uh, but the former didn't bring in the arguments of the latter and vice versa. So what you get is, is a, polar, a f- further polarization of the issue rather than let's sit down and talk about all the different aspects here.
1: And then you gave Mother Jones 27% total integrity, which was uh, less than half of the BuzzFeed total integrity rating. So they were pretty pathetic.
2: Well, the headline was Trump and Trolls Target Caravan of Migrant Families. So, what does that leave you with?
0: Right, exactly. And what you just stated that they each um, uh, left out the, you know, certain parts which led to their bias just shows why you got to take in information from a bunch of different sources to, to, to try to get the full story every day.
2: Yeah, and that's what we do when we write news stories. So we, we call our news stories the raw data, and basically we pull from a number of different news outlets from all sides of the political spectrum. We, we strip out all the spin, and then we, we include all of the facts that we can in the most balanced way possible. And ideally all news outlets would do this, but very few are. That's why people love reading ours.
1: <laughs> Theknifemedia.com, and we'll have a link for you. Uh, Jens, before you go, I'm looking at your, your chart of the coverage of the Tesla accident. The uh, self-driving car killing that uh, poor woman crossing the street in the middle of the night with her bike. Um, And you give CNN the highest rating for total integrity on the story at 65%. Um, I berate CNN on a daily basis, and Wolf Blitzer is my arch enemy. Um, But nonetheless, so they've done a good job. New York Times at 63%, the BBC at 56%, and then the WAPO. Down at 43%. Do you happen to recall what it was about their coverage that uh, roused your ire? I'm sorry, that's prejudicial. That caused you to <laughs> well, lower their total integrity rating?
2: The big, the big slander, the big assumption in this one was because there was a fatality in this accident uh, involving Tesla's technology, therefore their technology is less safe. But that's, a lot, that's not necessarily, that doesn't necessarily follow. In fact, there's data that shows that you know, if you take all of the test drives and all of, the, all of the data into account, it's actually safer. So it was prejudicial in the way that they covered it. Another thing that's interesting about that is that there's this thing called the availability heuristic. Basically, people judge the likelihood of an event based on how easy it is to think of examples of it occurring, so the news usually overexposes us to some types of events and not others. So we hear a lot about, like, a Tesla crash or a plane crash, but we don't hear about more common types of deaths, like falling.
1: Right. Well, that's why people are more afraid on the airplane, including me, than driving to the airport, wh- where that is completely bass-ackwards. Couldn't and are be more concerned more wrong. about sharks, uh, shark attacks than heart attacks. Right.
2: Right. Right, exactly. Well, because there's a data shows that Tesla's actually safer, but you wouldn't think that from the coverage because it gets more coverage.
1: Well, yeah, because the the news is biases toward novelty, which is precisely unhelpful if you're a creature that wants to remain alive.
0: Yeah, I was going to bring that up. How often, when you're reading these stories, do you think it's a political agenda because they prefer, you know, uh, one view of the world versus? I'm just trying to whip people up, so that's why I'm leaving stuff out.
2: Well, I think it's both. I think there are political agendas, but I think advertising also plays a huge role in news coverage and drama and sensationalism sells papers so and gets clicks so there's that too. Uh, obviously, we can't ultimately know the intent behind it, but I think it's both it's a combination.
1: My god, you're a reasonable human being. When By the you way, make sweet love to your spouse or partner. Do you Talk like this? Or, do, you, do you ever let down your mask? <laughs> God, you're great.
0: No comment, no comment. By the way, coming up, you're on fire. We'll tell you how to not be on fire. Stay tuned through these commercials. You know, uh, John Stewart once said on The Daily
1: Show that the true bias of the media is toward conflict. That they spend a lot of their day screaming,
2: fight, fight, look, a fight.
1: I'm sure you've observed that to some extent.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, what, what we think is that ideally the news should be a tool to inform people and help people make better decisions. Boring! All our problems. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not the way it's treated.
1: Yeah, Jen's Eric Gold of the Knife Media. Jen, it's great to talk to you. Looking forward to the next time.
2: Me too. Thanks so much for having me on.
1: All right, you got it. Yep, and we'll have a link at armstrongandgetty.com. Uh,
0: it's, a, it's a subscription site. Uh, that was an enjoyable sexual experience? Um, I uh, I reached the desired goal. Well, I'm sorry, that's probably you know you didn't. Hmm. Well, well, he's speaking for himself, so I think that's, yeah, that's fair. okay. I reached the you goal. reached the desired goal would be unfair because I don't know what your goals are. Right.
1: I took from the expressions and sounds you made that you were satisfied with the proceedings. Is
0: this correct? In 80 percent of uh, cases, according to most studies, those noises indicate <laughs> right you reached the desired goal of most humans. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Sexy. <laughs> wow. That's wow. good stuff. There needs to be way more of that. It shouldn't be like there's one website with ag guy doing this somewhere. I mean, it's 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 incredible.
1: Yeah. And what's, what I really love about it, and it's the first thing I looked for because I'm suspicious by nature, <clears throat> is that there are stories where, for instance... They laud Fox News for doing a really good job of reporting. Then the next story over, they get, you know, 30% integrity. And obviously it was a giant spin job. Likewise, MSNBC or the New York Times or the Washington Post. They, so the they scores have no don't favors.
0: always run one way. Oh, no, not right. at all. I mean, I'm looking
1: at a story right now that CNN did a great job, and there's one right next door that's not so good.
0: You hear the word admitted. You hear the word refused. You immediately realize, got to realize what kind of story you're listening to. Almost always. Mm-hmm. Um... And and that's and that's a regular part of news stories. He admitted that, according to who he admitted that he said that. Why don't you just say he said that?
1: Joe Getty admitted he played golf yesterday. What does that say to you? Right. I shouldn't have. I'm ashamed. I wasn't supposed to. Was something wrong. Right.
0: Exactly. Um. Oh, this ISIS stuff is really interesting. I don't know if I can fit it in coming up. Now, why don't
1: we sh- spend the rest of the hour on that? We need huh? to
0: check in on how Tiger Woods is doing. Oh, absolutely. At the. Azalea Fine. I tried to steal Sean's line and I blew it. Has he taken Sean? any Hooters waitresses into the Azaleas? That's oh, what I want. Oh, boy. To. Huh? If that's the Port of John's rocking, you that's know. That's not
3: what the Azaleas are for, friends.
0: <laughs> uh, stay with us. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty show.
4: Armstrong and Getty. The conscience
1: of the of nation. The nation. Strong and Getty Show.
4: Testing a new feature that lets users upload two second looping videos
0: instead of profile pictures. People are like, great, now I've got to find a video of myself from ten years ago. Uh <laughs> hey, Tinder I get it. Oh. Not accurate. Huh? Dating pictures. More spin in the media. <laughs> uh duh, how's Tiger Woods doing? Um,
1: I don't know. Well did you tell I don't me think he's I don't know. Does
0: he teed off? How
1: can I tell you if
0: I don't know? Jack? Tiger Woods' return has been one of the most exciting stories in the world of golf for a number of years. Well, if he wins, they say it'll be the biggest comeback in sports history. Not golf history, sports history.
1: Oh, that's more or less correct. (laughs) I can't think of a better one. Uh, Again, I bring up the case of Ben Hogan, the greatest golfer on earth, who was in a near-fatal car wreck back before people wore seatbelts. And could barely walk for a couple of years and came back and won a major championship. But he's dead. So let's talk about people who aren't. And I think, Tiger the, Woods.
0: I think the comeback doesn't just include the golf, though. The Ben Hogan story you told. Right. The laughing stock just so far down. How could he you show your face in America again? Couldn't to be, even finish a tournament. To being cheered. By people, right. we well, yeah, not only was he an object of mockery. Physically, he could bear he could not finish a golf tournament. Yeah, so physically he had that, and then just as a as a thing, I mean, if he's if he's coming up the the 18th on Sunday with a chance to win, people are going to be cheering like crazy. I'll be excited out of my mind that sure. I've rooted <laughs> against him. So that's the yeah. comeback I'm talking about, and I can't think of a, a bigger one than that. Jack Tiger
1: is at one over par, trails leaders by I think it was seven strokes last time I looked. He'll uh-huh. tee off at 10:27 Pacific daylight time but no the leaders are at four under now he's just five back he is officially lurking he's closing the gap hasn't even teed off yet tiger is back tiger has closed the gap by two strokes just by being alive here at the masters
4: god tiger is that
1: tape of his wife on
0: that uh, thanksgiving night oh wow the best nine iron she ever hit <laughs> uh we got a text said have this guy on every friday that's the plan that is the plan
3: my friend kind of a a news and review sort of what what of what was spun this week
0: yeah He is remarkably reasonable, said this texter. He needs to reproduce. I would agree. Well, again, he he may not because he acts that way during lovemaking. I'll get to this ISIS stuff coming up. So as uh, the, the, the good part of the world beat back ISIS, mostly the United States... Um, They left behind a treasure trove of of information, documents, and nobody had really looked at them except this reporter for the New York Times who went back to Iraq five times into Mosul and going through all these buildings. And ISIS had hidden them because they knew that they they didn't want this information out. But he found it and has been pouring through it. Hmm. And the way they uh, put together their caliphate is really damned interesting. Hmm. I'll tell you one thing. The garbage got picked up and the roads were paved. Yeah, they were running the government. Better than better than it had ever been for any of these people. Wow. And I've used up all of Marshall's time.
1: Oh, uh, hey, I forgot to bring this up. Anybody else see the big, scary bum out front yesterday morning? I forgot to bring it up because I was telling my jury stories. Big, big, scary looking dude. Crazy as hell. I thought he was a maintenance worker at first, because he like, picking up rocks. and.
4: Yeah, I think he was the one. Remember the other day when yeah. I encountered uh, okay, somebody yeah. at the front door? I think it's the big same Big Scary guy. Bum, yeah. Bum,
0: how do you know he's a bum? Have you gone to his home? Have you asked him? Or are you judging him by the way he looks? That second thing. Yes. So, anyway. <laughs> hey, I've been to enough city council meetings on this topic to know uh, that you're doing oh, something geez. wrong. Mmm. Mm, here's my ass. Come kiss it. Anyway,
1: so Big Scary Bum is out there, and I pull in. Originally, I think he's a maintenance worker, but then he turns and he stares. At my car. And I'm thinking, oh, number one, it's 530, it occurs to me in the morning. Number two, you're not a maintenance worker. And he just tried to stare my car down with me in it. And finally, he started wandering away and kept looking over his shoulder and looking. I let him get across the parking lot. I finally get out of my car. I walk in and he starts bellowing at me. (laughs) And I wanted to yell back at him. Dude, don't be yelling at me. I got to come here. They make me. Otherwise, I can't make my house payment, which is a pressure you wouldn't understand.
0: I can tell you that there are people in politics and law enforcement yeah. that think you being scared of him is a problem with you. A-, a large physically
1: power mentally ill man who is angry. Yes, I am somewhat concerned for my safety. Yeah.
0: Then you there's something the S's. Then there's something wrong with you yeah. and uh, any attempt to do anything about that. Well, listen, would be criminalizing homelessness. I don't have a magical unicorn
1: to protect me like you people evidently do in your fantasy land. Yeah.
0: Uh, let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips.
4: Well, President Trump wants to slap $100 billion worth of tariffs on China that move in response to China's decision to retaliate against new tariffs proposed by the U.S. earlier this week. The president on WABC saying it is time now to get tough. We don't have a trade war. We've lost a trade war because for many years, uh, whether it's Clinton or the Bushes or Obama, uh, all of our presidents before have, for some reason, they just it just got worse and worse. Trump defending the planned tariffs on China, saying overall they will benefit the country's economy. I'm not saying there won't be a little pain, but the market's gone up 40%, 42%, so we might lose a little bit of it. But we're going to have a much stronger country when we're finished he's playing the
0: long game we'll see yeah. how it turns yeah. out yeah. And, yeah.
1: and I think he's right which doesn't mean I think he will be successful I don't know the Chinese are no joke when it comes to this sort of negotiation and and they don't give a damn about political pressure in the way our leaders have yeah. to because they're
4: a totalitarian regime so this one will be interesting to follow yeah China's saying it will counterattack with great strength if Trump goes ahead with the plans to raise those tariffs. Another matter as far as borders. I, I, let, me, let me
1: make one more point. I am certain to my bones that were Barack Obama doing this, the uh, you know the sirens of the left, the, the great uh, talking heads and, and, and tapping typewriters of the left, would be saying how fabulous this is that he's standing up for American workers and tearing down you know uh, uh, unequitable trade right. agreements that, that Bush and Company passed it. I'm absolutely certain
4: of that. As far as border security goes, the president's now nailing down the number, saying he wants to send between two and four thousand National Guard members to the U.S.-Mexico border. So far, California has been hesitant to commit its guard members, and Oregon's governor Kate Brown says out front she'll refuse to send the National Guard troops of her state to the border. Brown says any order by the president to send those soldiers to the uh, southern border will be met with resistance.
1: I do not want our Oregon National Guards men and women to be used as political pawns. This administration is governing via chaos and incompetence. It must stop.
0: What's a pawns? <laughs>
4: <laughs> so anyway, she is saying, no, we will not cooperate. And you're not right.
0: just virtue signaling to Hispanic voters that you're on their side. And, and sh- Did you say she's the, uh, the uh, governor of Oregon? Yep. <laughs> Your border is with California
1: and Washington. I mean, in terms of north and south, what are you talking about? Why don't you do something
4: about all the Canadians sneaking in? (laughs) Virgin Galactic says it's finished a successful test flight of a passenger spaceship. The company said the Spaceship 2 flew about 85,000 feet above the Earth at nearly twice the speed of sound. Two pilots were in the ship that was airlifted by carrier jet about eight miles above the Mojave Desert. The test flight was the fastest and highest for the Virgin Galactic program, which is planning to take tourists and researchers to the edge of space in the not-too-distant future. And mixed martial arts fighter Conor McGregor is going to be in court today after going on a rampage at a press conference in New York. Abigora! TMZ's got video showing McGregor chucking a dolly at a bus at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn yesterday,
0: smashing the window. So I saw the video. Is, uh, it's, Sean, you, you're you the, sh- the Conor McGregor expert.
3: Was this a, a stunt, publicity stunt, or did he actually lose his mind? No, he he's arrested. He's going to get sued to oblivion. They had to cancel or reschedule yeah. two or three of the fights that were supposed to happen yeah, this weekend. Yeah, that's, but
1: that's the result. Jack's asking about the intent, and uh, here's why. because. I thought originally he was just trying to grow his brand. The whole, we're feuding, we can't wait to fight each other thing. I'm crazy, you can't continue. And he threw the dolly at the van, thinking, oh, this will be super dramatic. But he broke the glass, and now guys are half-blinded and seriously injured. That that
3: was one of several things that he threw at the bus as it was leaving. Um, A little more backstory. He has not fought since he won the title back in, I think, 2015 in in the UFC. They have, uh, quote-unquote, stripped him of his title. They were going to give it. They were going to award it to the winner of this fight coming up. Um, so possibly some posturing, and then he he just got too too far ahead of himself. But I don't think this was any sort of publicity stunt. Really, so, you of think thing. he actually lost it? I think so. Oh, wow. Mm.
4: Yeah, the UFC, uh, UFC president uh, Dana White telling TMZ McGregor is in a ton of trouble. It's
3: the most disgusting thing that has ever happened in the history of, of the company. You can imagine he's going to be sued beyond belief, and uh. This was a real bad career move
0: for him. Guys got deep
4: pockets.
1: Yeah, but wow! Shards of glass in yeah. guys' eyes and stuff like yeah. that—that's insane. Oy.
4: That's a wrap. That's news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The Conscience of the Nation. Michael, Hi. ring the bell once again because school's in, suckers. Wow.
0: Hmm. I play. My kids really like uh, uh, MC Hammer. And they like Ice yeah. Ice Baby Vanilla Ice, and those were like edgy, dangerous, cool songs <laughs> when I was a young man. You listen to them now; they're just so silly and stupid. They're they're embarrassing. It's like an it. after school special. Yeah, yeah, they're embarrassing. Too legit. Too <laughs> legit
3: to quit. Hey, hey. <laughs> Love MC Hammer. I had MC Hammer oh. pants when I went to school. Awesome. That was good oh, stuff.
1: Awesome. I haven't gotten my chance to fully slander Cardi B, who's
0: apparently the most in- important in- entertainer in America, but we got to talk about ISIS. Got that. We got the ISIS stuff. We got a new king of cable news who's the most watched host now. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty show.
4: Armstrong and Getty.
1: The conscience of the nation. And Getty Show.
2: I don't care if Monday's blue, Tuesday's gray and Wednesday too, Thursday, I don't care about you, it's Friday, I'm in love. Monday, I
0: hope that is your situation on this fine Friday. This song is essentially an incredibly catchy nursery rhyme. Of course, a lot of songs are. Sure. ISIS at one point had territory the size of Great Britain. They had, uh, I don't remember how many, millions of people under uh, under their thumb. Second biggest city in Iraq, famously. And, and they, even
3: then, they still didn't do beans for breakfast. I don't know why you do that, Great Britain.
0: <laughs> but uh, and, and ISIS, uh, they, they held uh, some of these big cities for three years. The battle for Mosul, is there are going to be movies made about that. For some reason, it's gone unreported. I was reading a report in the New York Times about it last night, about how unreported it has gone, and booting ISIS out of the Masl- uh, Mosul.
1: unreported report?
0: Interesting. Yeah. Well, a part of it is, uh, this, this reporter for the New York Times has been going back to Iraq. He's gone back five times to try to dig up all this information on ISIS, because as they fled, they left a lot behind. They tried to destroy it a lot, but we were driving them out so fast they couldn't. And he found this stuff. You know, buried under boards and outhouses, all kinds of stuff, as they're trying to hide some of their paperwork. But the battle for Mosul, according to uh, one U.S. military general, was um, the most devastating military conflict since World War II. Really? Yeah. Which you you know, it's includes funny. a lot of a lot of warfare leading up to it. I remember
1: talking about that. The second biggest city in a country. Was occupied by a uh, unspeakable terrorist organization willing, and to, fight, have to, willing right, to fight to the death. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, a death cult, and they're going to have to retake that street by
0: street. And it took three months. Yeah, and yeah, I remember thinking that's going to be unbelievably horrific. World. Then didn't hear anything right, about it. No. Near did I? It was a World War II level battle, and wow. uh, there'll be movies made about it, books written. But anyway, so this guy's but they'll going to be aired in Iraq, so you'll never see him. This guy's going through the the paperwork. One of the keys to ISIS's success was their diversified revenue stream. The group drew its income from so many strands of the economy that airstrikes were not enough to cripple it. We thought, or a lot of the world thought, it's the oil. They're making so much money off oil, we go after their oil. They were making more money off of stuff other than oil because they were so organized as a society. Ledger, receipt books, and monthly budgets describe how the militants monetized every inch of territory they conquered, taxing every bushel of wheat, every liter of sheep's milk, and every watermelon sold at markets that they controlled. From agriculture alone, they reaped hundreds of millions of dollars. Contrary to popular perception, the group is self-financed and not from oil. Um, uh, It it talks about how they went into the ministry of uh, agriculture. And they talked to the guy who ran the place, and they were all worried ISIS is coming. We're going to be killed and everything like that. ISIS learned by watching the United States when we went into Iraq and we disbanded all their, their structures right. that the country fell apart. They And they said, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to do the opposite of what the Americans did. So they call up the, the minister of agriculture and said, we need everybody... Uh, we need everybody in your offices tomorrow morning. And the guy said, I got a bad back. And the ISIS member said, I'm going to break your back if you don't show up. So he and everybody else showed up. And they all sat there in desks. And and the ISIS guy came in, gun on his hip, and said, I want you all to do everything you were doing before. Come to work every day at the same time. Do your jobs. And that's what they did all across the country. Mm. And they were able to keep the country together that way, which is a pretty good idea. Employees were told, oh, one thing they did at the Ministry of Agriculture, they, uh, they they saw that they had a rain gauge outside because the Ministry of Agriculture wants to keep how much, track of how much rain they're getting and then crops and that sort of stuff. ISIS said that rain gauges were no longer allowed because rain is a gift from Allah, and who were they to to measure his gift? Okay,
1: so much for the <laughs> the whole they were logical and sensible uh, narrative. <laughs> Wow, how um, crazy is that? Farmers got to know.
0: Employees were also told they could no longer shave and they had to make sure the leg of their trousers did not reach the ankle. Glossy pamphlets like the one below, and it shows it in the New York Wait, Times. This, so
1: there are short pants people?
0: The women need to be long. The yes. men, kind of short. Uh, Glossy pamphlets like the one below shown in the New York Times. Pinpoint the spot on the calf where the hem of your pants should reach. That's because that's the way the prophet wore it 1,400 years ago. So you could get a, a caning or worse... If your if your hem was a little low. So this guy went home and had his wife take five inches off the bottom of all his dress pants. Man, if I'm running Abdul's uh, fundamentalist tailor shop, I'm thinking I'm about to get rich. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Looks
0: like you need about three quarters of an inch. (laughs) Give me two days. Um, There's one guy. They interviewed this truck driver who had the unique situation because he was a truck driver of driving all around the caliphate. So he got to see a lot more of it than most people. And he said garbage collection was number one on ISIS flashing a thumbs up sign. The street sweepers hadn't changed. What had was that the militants imposed a discipline that had been lacking on all the street sweepers in all the ah, different cities. Ah,
1: slacker government employees were afraid to slack. Yeah, they talked. Oh to one, man, can we get that going in the say? I don't know, a couple of uh,
0: western states, maybe maybe yeah. California, just for a little while. They talked to one garbage man manager. The only thing I could do during the time of government was rule was give a worker a one day suspension without pay or something. But with uh, ISIS in charge of the uh, of the garbage. Obviously, they could imprison, beat you, kill you, whatever. So people showed up and did their dang job. Wow. Residents also said their taps were less likely to run dry with ISIS in charge. The sewers less likely to overflow. Potholes got fixed more quickly under ISIS. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Wow. One day in Mosul, uh, they saw earth movers headed toward a neighborhood in an an industrial area, and ISIS paved a two-mile road that linked two areas of the city together for the first time and helped with traffic congestion. Humanity has always been looking for
1: that sweet spot, because, you know, the cliche about, you know, Hitler, and they said it about Mussolini, was that they made the trains run on time. Yeah. Yeah, And the trains didn't run on time prior to them because slacker, comfy, government-guaranteed employees wouldn't do their jobs.
0: Most accounts of how the Islamic State became the richest terrorist group in the world focused on its black market oil sales, which at one point brought in as much as $2 million per week. Yet records recovered in Syria show that they made 6 to 1 more money versus with taxes than they did with oil. Hmm. Despite hundreds of airstrikes that left the caliphate pocked with craters and really did uh, um, uh, affect their oil revenue... They made uh, $800 million in annual tax revenue, according to one study. Uh, Which is just amazing that they got that efficient that fast as they rolled through these areas. Well,
1: remember, a lot of the ISIS higher-ups were uh, government employees under Saddam. They were the very leadership that the U.S. said, get out. Yeah. No bath party right. members can run anything, yeah. which was a disastrous, we handled idiotic that, idea.
0: That we handled you know, mm. handle that about as poorly as you could.
1: Right. It's uh, And there are several really good books written on the topic. What was the one we talked to the author, uh, We Meant Well, I think is the title of it, um, that describes that. But, you know, so many of the bath party members, you got to, well, I have so many gripes with the Bush administration and how they did this, but you got to look at them as human beings. Say And and half these guys, the guy who ran the garbage department or whatever, is saying, look, the dictator was the bath party, so I got in the bath party. I don't want to be dead. You know what I do for a living? I schedule garbage trucks. Do you want me to schedule garbage trucks for you? I'm pretty good at it. But the fact that he was a bath party member, we tossed everybody out thinking, oh, we got to get rid of the evildoers. That was that one dumb. guy.
0: What's that guy's name? He gets all the blame for that. He made that decision on his own. Paul Bremer, Bremer right
1: l Paul Bremer.
0: Paul Bremer should have a statue somewhere uh to to honor the fact that he caused all these problems. yeah um, but yeah, I just and then there's a lot of other stuff in there. Uh, I mean, tons of paperwork. You wouldn't think they'd keep paperwork on this. But if they came across some chick whose skirt was too short or some dude who was listening to music, they had a paper trail of catching him, what he did, uh, the, the way he was punished. You know, and kept track of, did he ever get caught again listening to music when you're not supposed to? And do we kill him this time? Or this one woman, they ended up dropping a a heavy rock on her head to kill her because she went against them too many times. Wow. So A 14-year-old and his friends who were punished because they were caught laughing during prayer. A lot of paperwork on that.
1: Wow. How interesting that your worldview would be completely Looney Tunes. But your administrative skills would be quite impressive. You just don't you don't think that that's the, the way it goes, no. but that's the way it goes.
0: They had a DMV, they issued driver's licenses, and they had their own rules for that and collecting taxes and all the driving. Hey,
1: Jack, look at that. According to CBS News, Paul Bremer, who ran the Iraq occupation, is now a ski instructor. That sounds about right. If only he'd discovered that, I don't know, 20 years ago. Yeah,
0: he's a ski instructor. That's about what he's qualified for. Wow. ISIS did it better than us when it came to that. And that's something they learned from our mistake and thought, we're going to let you pick up the garbage. A little hurtful. you got to get your pants cut shorter. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.